So our first deal we closed, actually closed, was actually not until November. But okay. I was I probably made ten or twelve offers right away though, right mm-hmm. after that. So about about sixty days after the class, yeah. you were closing your, your first deal. You're listening to the Azria Show. If you're looking for quality real estate investing information that you can trust, you've found it. Stay tuned and join the tens of thousands of members that have already benefited from Azria, your home for education, market information, support, and networking opportunities that will advance your real estate investing career. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Welcome to the Azria Show. We're back with another episode and we're excited because we have a different perspective that we want to share with you guys on today. So if you're new, you're getting started, you're going through the bumps, the bruises, all of the nooks and crannies, we're going to kind of dive into that on today to give you a perspective from someone that's seasoned, but yet a newbie kind of in this space when it comes to wholesaling, but a seasoned real estate agent. So I'm Marcus Maloney and I have my co-host. Mike Delpre. Hello, hello. And our special guest is Donna Landot. Lando. Lando. Okay. <laughs> How are you doing today, Donna? Terrific. Thank you. Great, great, great. So Donna, Donna, I had the pleasure of meeting you about a year ago. And you're just so much energy, always a ball of energy, always love to talk. And I really like that because even in our classes, you bring a lot of energy to the classes. So I just want to tell you personally for me, and I think for Mike Mm -hmm. also, we appreciate you being a part of Azria. So kind of getting started, how long have you been in real estate? How did you get started? Everything like that. I'm starting on my 21st year. I just okay. finished my CE classes to do that. And I also really much appreciate you guys because it's been awesome being a part of Azria because you guys are, have been so helpful and being so open to help me when I have questions. And I have lots of questions. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I started in real estate on the 9-11. I came back from moving from Oregon to Arizona. I'm a native Arizonan and I, I had to think of something I could do to make money fast because my husband's job was created for him and he wasn't going to have that one now anymore. I was always self-employed. So I, somebody had been trying to talk me into real estate forever and I kept saying, no, mm-hmm. no. And I decided to take our actually last $300 to our name. Okay. We sold a vehicle and I went into real estate school. Wow. So kind of my MO, I'm not afraid of risk, mm-hmm. obviously. And I just knew I could make it work. So so I joined a Remax office at the time and they don't normally hire newbies, but I had a lot of sales experience and owning my own companies okay. before. So they thought it would be good. So I just had to learn real estate. So I went, I actually joined a team because I was so bored the first two weeks. I didn't know what to do with myself. So I joined the top team in the company at the time and I sold my first house in my first two weeks. Good, so, good. so, I mean, I, and I, I did things that people don't do. I mean, I know to close the sale. So I, I asked the guy when he wants to close and he said two weeks and I said, okay. And if anybody knows this business out there, you might know that it was an FHA bond money. My, my lender said, don't ever do that to me again. I will try to make this happen. (laughs) (laughs) And we did. So I kind of didn't look back. So what was it like two weeks? So yes, you had sales experience and then you're in a whole new business industry product. And you still went out there and it's kind of like how you got into wholesaling. You did the same thing. <laughs> I right? did. So what, what, which we'll talk about. So yeah, I'll jump in. So what, what do you, what is that skill set or what, how were you able to do that? I think the main thing is, is I'm not afraid mm-hmm. of taking risks and I know me, I know I'm a hard worker and I'll know I put the time and energy in. And I know to also try to find the best resources I possibly can to help me make, be successful whether it be listening to you guys' podcast, whether it be talking to you. I've joined several other mentoring programs already for real estate. I did you guys' wholesale class. Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I've been at a lot of the events. I think that it's really important to put the time in, but it's also important to, to implement the information I, I gather. I don't implement it all, obviously, but I implement as fast as I can. I'm not, I just, I don't wait till I know everything. Okay. Okay. I, I think that's the key to this is you can wait to everything and then you can never get started. I'm not a, I'm not a sit back and wait person. I'm going to sit back and I will fail possibly in a few things, but I think I'll get further faster because I'm willing to make, take the risk. So 
Well, that's very important because <laughs> the people that wait until they learn everything, they never get a chance to learn everything because you really only learn by doing. And I think that's sure. one of the things that me and Mike definitely see in you. It's like, okay, this is what you're doing, Donna. And you're like, okay, I'm off. I'm gone. I'm doing it. And then you'll come back a week later, two weeks later and say, okay, this is what I did. These are the actions that I took. And this is where I'm at. And that's very, very important because there's a lot of people getting started as real estate investors to where they want to wait and they want to get into the safe zone to where they know everything and they can answer all of the questions, but they never take any action. So why isn't taking action so important for you? I, I just don't think you're going to, I don't know. If I'm going to spend money and time in something, I want it to be productive. And I just don't see, I don't know. It's just a drive in me, I guess, that mm -hmm. I just don't see that I can never work for someone else because I work too hard, I think, to work for someone else and get paid what I'm worth. So I just feel like, I don't know how to explain it that. Works. I don't, I don't yeah. know. Yeah. So, right? You I know, don't know. So, so you gave away the keys to the kingdom, right? It's like, get some education, apply it. Yep. And, and most importantly, what you did say is you believed in yourself. I do. <laughs> I do. There you go. Right? I, I've always had, I mean, I have parents, I grew up with parents that just said I can do anything I wanted to do. We were just a middle-class family. Mm -hmm. My parents never were self-employed. My dad would, in a sense, flip cars when he was on strike because he worked at the copper mines, but never made a dime really because he didn't understand how to be a salesman. But I just saw him doing it and working hard. And I just, they said I could do whatever I wanted. So I was like, okay, this is what I think I want to do. And I really wished I would have gotten into this way sooner. I'm going to tell you, when I see these 20 year olds or even 18 year olds in the audience right now, I am like, so like, oh, I wish I would have gotten yeah. started earlier. They were just at the John Burley event. There was young people there mm -hmm. that have already sold and bought houses and own houses. That's like fantastic. That's great. Would never have known that. That's not where mm -hmm. i came from my family didn't come from that you know yeah, and it's it's never too late no either, it's right? not it, that's not too late never never no. so believe in yourself learn a little bit apply it fall down keep going yes that's it yes Repeat. i think the mindset is the most probably the most important thing which our whole event the last six days was about that too is if your mind doesn't believe that you can do it, mm -hmm. you'll talk yourself mm -hmm. out of it. So also because I'm quick and fast, like you said, I'm always got a lot, I do have a lot of energy, but when, it, when I basically, I think when you do it and you don't have to, you don't overthink it because yep. mm -hmm. you can overthink it. I mean, I'm sitting, I'm making notebooks for Ezria and I make notebooks and I have all my things as I get them, but I don't have to do them immediately. Like I wanted, I'd rather talk to the person and try to get a transaction than to be sitting there signing, setting up things. Yep. You know what I mean? And well, I don't think you need to reinvent the wheel either. You no. can, in a sense, copy from others, right? Mm -hmm. My letters that I use, things like that. I just copy from others and then eventually I'll tweak it. But usually that what i've learned as a trainer to myself is that if you you have to you have to and you know visual you have to what do i say internalize it first mm -hmm. and then you can personalize it you have to like master it internalize yeah. it and then and then you can but a lot of times you tend to change the things that really work if you change things right away that's so, what i've learned so there's there's one thing that you said and mike mike picked up on it he said that self-belief and a lot of people struggle with that because they they don't think that they can do it. They don't think that they're worthy enough to do it. They may put the energy in it, but then once they have one failure, one setback, they kind of give up and they say, well, somebody else can do it, but I can't do it. That's, that's a key insight into you personally, Donna, is that you have that belief system to say, I can get out there and do it. So what would you tell somebody that's getting started that face some of the, some of those struggles that did um, make those mistakes and then kind of gave up and never got back started i think doing things like i think doing things like affirmations in the morning reading something inspirational keeping your focus where it mm -hmm. needs to be i think it's super key because i had a lull in there where i had taken care of my elderly parents and i was on a momentum with my business and 
and I, momentum just went flat. Mm. And I realized I needed to spend my time in this and that was okay. It was still really hard for the mm-hmm. T for me though. It was super hard. So I just started, I started having to read more affirmations in the morning and reading. I mean, I read my scriptures in the morning and I pray mm-hmm. and that's, that's who I am. But I, I actually started a whole program called Ninja Selling and it really helped because that program and that book is fantastic, by the way. And a lot, a big portion of that is about mindset and about you believing that you can do it. And it is in your mind. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So, just I think you have to start your day that way and you have to end your day that way with being thankful mm-hmm. and having that mm-hmm. doing the affirmations and then I don't yep. I don't find myself doing it quite as much right now because I'm in a momentum a little bit but mm-hmm. but don't stop doing it does that okay. make sense yeah. I just probably don't do it as much or I was reading like 26 affirmations a day hey. and I was like and I was just like it was on a, it really helped me though for my day it really kicked off my day and made me feel like a lot better like that i could do this and that helped me direct me in the right path you know what i think too yeah because i me and mike we talked about it a lot of people when you say mindset they're like oh, i don't want to hear that garbage foo-foo spirituality all of that <laughs> kind of stuff a lot of people believe that or think that i'm the same way with you don i wake up i do my affirmations i get my mind right i read some scriptures listen to something positive when i walk the dog that way now my energy level is up yes. i'm looking for something positive to happen and not just always me trying to make something positive to happen and we try and tell people getting started that that's very very important because they figure no i just want to know who i got to market to what i got to do and let me close a deal but it's so much more than that so much more than that yeah, it is a lot of it is as an entrepreneur is is keeping your energy up mm-hmm. like that's our, so that's where the the affirmations and the visualizing come in because when you think of something negative it brings you down and when mm-hmm. you think of something positive, it brings you up, right? Mm-hmm. So so how do you do that all day, right? It gives you energy. So right. when you think of the right thing, so it's great that you do that. And, and you, the other one you said was being thankful. I think the more, whatever, yeah. the more you're thankful of is the more you get mm-hmm. of that specific mm-hmm. thing, right? I agree. So those are great stuff. So, so before we go all down that road, so first deal, two weeks as a real estate agent, and what happened next? Well, I, I stayed on the team for about two and a half years and my broker kept saying, why are you staying on the team? But I was learning a lot and I wanted to get as much information as I could so I could be as successful as I could. I did end up keeping a lot of those clients as past clients. I'm a, very much a referral business agent. So I did keep a lot of the business going after the fact. And then I just pulled off on my own and started doing my own thing. And okay. I did a lot of I Buffini, which Buffini is very He's big great. into affirmations mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. a mindset and stuff like that as well. Plus, it's a good plan. It's a good event. It's a good program for me to tailor my business from, right? It was like the way I did business anyway. You so did the, bo- the Buffini program? I have. Oh, and okay, I coached great. with Buffini as well. Awesome. I've had coaches uh-huh. almost all along the way. So I paid for coaches. I think that I've been a coach. I actually am a certified coach myself. Let so. me jump in right there. How important? <laughs> Because a lot of people say, well, why spend money on a coach when I can get out there and I can learn this stuff myself? Because I think the coach is my accountability. And also a really good coach doesn't even need to know the business you're in. They need to know your strengths and weaknesses and mm-hmm. help you maneuver to the best that the best way they can. Like in, they are not there to tell you what to do. They're there for you to self-discover what you do if they're really mm-hmm. good, I think. Because I also cert- got certified with John Maxwell. And John Maxwell says that the thing is, is that you're only going to be great and master certain things, a 10 or nine or eight of something. But if things that I'm one and two and three at, I'm never going to master those. They are not going to be nope, good for me. Nope. That's usually math for me. Um, mm-hmm. But <laughs> I like piles of money, but <laughs> I'm not the math person on the fly. But but the thing is, I'll hire someone to do that for me or I'll mm-hmm. get somebody to mentor me in that area so that I can be better in that right. area. So that's kind of my analogy with that. And I think it's always helped. It's been really good. So my goal right now is mastering investing and also finding an actual niche i haven't totally found the niche i want to do mm-hmm. wholesaling was basically a ends to means because 
I joined Ren, as I told you, Women's Real Estate mm -hmm. Investment Network, and that's what got me excited. He did their master program on Facebook, and that's when I said, oh my gosh, I like real estate. Don't get me wrong, I love my clients, but I like this better. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, the because, investing side. Yeah, okay. because it's so much more creative. It's so much more adventurous in a sense. Mm -hmm. And I was that, I'm that way with my real estate business okay. too. I mean, I did a triple transaction that had two contingencies in it. And my broker, I went to my broker to make sure I was doing everything right because my style is to figure it all out and then go and confirm. Nope. Nope. <laughs> and Good. so that's what I did. And he says, how did you think of this? I go, I don't know. It just seemed like it would work. And this is what they need to do. Will it all work? He goes, heck yeah. And uh -huh. so it was really kind of cool. Like, and that's the kind of stuff to me I can do all day long in investing. Yep. Instead so of just ever once in a while. And, and I like to tell people that real estate investing is, is the majority of it is problem solving. It is. How can you identify the problem come up with the solution, articulate the solution to all other parties involved, and then close that transaction. So sounds like you're very good at that, Donna. I, I try. I mean, I, I feel sometimes like with the investing part, I've made so many offers and I didn't get very many of them through in the scheme of things, but I like I got out there and made the offers though right away. I mean, mm -hmm. I didn't stop making the offers. That's, I think, important. Another key. Like on the podcast, you got to have those like, ding, ding, yeah. Yeah. the whole episode would be ding, ding. Yeah, because <laughs> right? so. what, what you're giving yeah. is a lot is because, I mean, Mike, you want to talk about the whole offer situation? I mean, it's just, I always say it's the, what's it, the highest income generating activity you can do in your real estate business is write, analyze and write offers, mm -hmm. right? Because right. if you don't get an offer out, can't get a contract, you don't have a contract, can't buy a house. Right. You can't flip right. it, can't rent it wholesale it, whatever it is. So yeah, getting out there and writing offers is key. That's my thoughts on that. So what else? So, so while you were writing all of these offers, you were getting what 99% of them rejected, mm -hmm. right? Yep. <laughs> okay. Why didn't you give up? Because it's just, I feel like it was just a learning curve. Okay. <laughs> and, and you guys encouraged me too. So that really <laughs> helped me too. So like, I mean, I just, I think I just know that it, this market I have to learn it. I have to understand it. And I don't think I understand it at the extent I need to still to this moment. Mm -hmm. And now like even going to the Burley event this weekend, now I love a whole different perspective of this market and offering maybe a little higher price than I would expect because I'm going to hold on to it for a lot long period of time so I can afford to do that. Mm -hmm. Initially, I thought I might do fix and flips. I'm not really sure I'm interested in that at all now. Because yeah. the creative end of staging a house stuff is kind of cool. I like that part of it, but I like making money a little more. <laughs> uh -huh. Yeah. And so I think that my best use of my time will be actually con not convincing, but showing people how I can help them with their problem. Even the people that maybe need to place their money in something to get a better investment than like yeah. a 401k or stocks or bonds would do, which I have always believed real estate is the very best way for you to be investing. I called it the automatic savings plan to my clients. Awesome. I go, you get, you can put, you can get out of it really fairly quickly if you need to, but it's not like going down to the bank and getting cash out. Right. You can take it out that quick. So you save it automatically. And mm -hmm. it's, it's a really great investment for young people and i'm in third sometimes second and third homes on young generations right now i've been in that long that i yeah. I'm not selling to their grandkids or anything yet but mm -hmm. or but i have such a baseball yeah. <laughs> I, I do I have it. a baseball kid who was in the little league when i was in the little league board mm -hmm. and he goes you were our secretary i go actually i wasn't the secretary but that's okay because i was the only woman you thought i was the secretary <laughs> i said i did have to do a little bit of that but and he's he came to me to buy his first house so oh, right wow. now so i'm really excited about that so relationships relationships yeah so i have a question before we go on that so real estate agent right mm -hmm. so how many years was it is it almost 20 oh, i'm going starting my 21st 21st year okay so so my question for other real estate agents out there that are been in the business a long time or new to the real estate agent business what advice do you have for them in regards to looking into investing either either to help their agent business or their personal life their personal investments I think that take those calls. We get those calls all the time from investors saying, I want to buy property. Do you have any? And it starts the relationships with the investors. I've always had a few investors I've worked with mm -hmm. for a long time, actually. And one of them right now to this day is the one I called for some of the hostage deals. Like I called mm -hmm. you, Mike, and I called. So I, I mean, I kept in touch with them because they 
had a good, I had, they were consistently in touch with me. They weren't pushy, but they were, but they followed through with everything that they said they were going to do. So that's to me a good sign that mm -hmm. they probably would finish the deal. Cause that was probably the scariest part of them doing a wholesale deal is making sure that Empire really did pay for that house. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Because I'm the kind of person that would have found a way to buy it myself then. Mm -hmm. I would never have canceled that transaction. That's me because I really want to go into it as solid as possible. I don't want to, it's just like a marriage. I wouldn't want to go into it saying, well, if it doesn't work in, I'll get a divorce. Yeah. Well, that's not me at mm -hmm. all. I mean, I'm also I'm a 43rd year of marriage. So awesome. you can tell. So you you just don't, that's not a thing with me. I don't think that's a good way to do business is to think that you can always get out of it. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. You want to, you are solving a solution. That's why I'm doing this. That is all the reason I'm doing this. I'm not trying to do something to someone, I'm trying to do something for someone. And I always want them to feel that way. So, and how's that, how can we apply the investing to a real, so take the calls. So tell agents, take the calls from investors. Don't Sorry, just ignore it. Right. Um, uh -huh. No, because yeah, because markets change and one day you're going to need those investors or right. hey, they're just buyers for those houses that you might not want to list or someone needs to move quick. Right. An investor can come in and save the day for that. And what about in regards to person, personal investments as agents? Because I know a lot of agents have been in the business 20 years That's like true, said, don't invest. and they don't invest and they have access to all, to all, of the, all deals. the deals probably. Needs. Yeah, I think you definitely need to consider being an investor yourself. I think that you, I think that you're at a higher level as being a licensed real estate agent that's more effective if you too would invest in property. Mm -hmm. I mean, just like they have the standing joke that realtors should move every few years themselves so they feel what it's like for their clients to move because <laughs> it's so stressful, right? Yeah. It's the same kind of concept. You need to do what you're preaching. You know what I mean? You need to start doing it, even if it's one. And I had one one rental property years ago. Okay, and in the in the downturn, mm -hmm. I ended up the tenant trashed it. I ended up losing it, to be mm -hmm. honest. Mm -hmm. But I tried everything not to lose that property. But it was just we were upside down and already. I was actually negative cash flowing, but I actually needed the the tax benefits yep. so i didn't care at the mm -hmm. time but but now i know better than that too mm -hmm. but it's it's i think it's just really the more experience i have even working with investors and becoming an investor the better i'm going to be at both yeah, exactly exactly because right? i'm actually preaching i'm not just preaching and i'm doing it awesome love it well we're going to take a brief break we'll hear a word from our sponsors when we come back we're going to talk about your new investment strategy, what you're doing, how you were able to do it, and the success you're having doing it. Okay. Are your real estate dreams on hold? With work, kids, everything else going on, time is limited. Most days you feel like the world's on your shoulders. You might even say to yourself, if I just had someone to lean on and push me in the right direction, I know things would happen quicker. Well, then you need to check out the Deal Finders Club, a community of investors eager to close more deals, sign more contracts, and just get ahead in life. The DFC provides weekly coaching, thriving online community, and all the education you need to be confident. DFC is your fastest path to closing more deals. To learn more, head over to azdfc.com. That's azdfc.com. All right, and we're back with Donna Lando and... <laughs> She recently came to one of Azria's wholesale classes. It's the wholesale step-by-step -step, actually taught by Mike Delpreet and myself. And she was one of those active members that was in the audience, jotting down notes, taking notes, asking questions, everything like asking that. Asking questions. Yeah, asking tons of questions. <laughs> it's okay. The good thing about it is she took all of that information and she went out and did something with it. So Donna, tell us. How did that class help you with your most recent deal? I think that with getting started, like I said, with Ren, they only gave me an overview of each little thing and you guys narrowed it down and got in detail with me, for me with wholesaling. And wholesaling seemed like a ends to means like to try to build up some capital so I could do other things. Mm -hmm. And it seemed like a great way to start. And you guys gave me, showed me the expectations I should have. I think you gave us forms and documents and you of course answer questions and also it was just a step-by-step -step of like what you need to do and i think that again you don't need to reinvent the wheel i don't think in most businesses you do and if something's working then use what's working you know mm -hmm. what i mean and then as you evolve and you change or you find where your niche is then you can change it but right now it was just a great way for me to feel confident that i could go out and do it and we'd already been making offers already 
I had. Okay. Well, I had. Because you have, I have partners, partners, right? I have partners, yeah. but but the thing is, is that I I'm one boots on the ground. So I'm mm-hmm. the one that does all the offers and things like that. We just share in all the marketing expenses, and then my my best friend partner Jennifer, we do a we I basically bounce things off of her. Remember, I said I'm that kind mm-hmm. of personality. Yeah. So I just and she's a real detail into like doing the she doesn't know how to do comps exactly, but just getting in the nitty gritty. Mm-hmm. And I'll tell you, she went to a rent event in California. This super active bunch of women investors and they said that they couldn't believe how much she knew compared to them and she started mm. after them and i think it's just talking to me all the time mm-hmm. going to the class she came to, from california mm-hmm. to come up here to that class and i think that just knowing the information feeling confident we have a notebook i've gone back and used it as a reference yep. many times i might change a few things i mean and then i called mm-hmm. marcus and we were like what assignment contract, like what's your say versus what this mm-hmm. one says? And mm-hmm. this one says something different. What does that mean? And just, awesome. I think it's good to question a little bit yeah, because you is. need to, if you're going to explain something to someone else, you need to be able to explain it well. You know, exactly. uh, you don't need to know everything all, but you need mm-hmm. to know well. Especially when you're at the, at the table with a seller and they're asking you questions about the contract or something like that, you want to be able to exude confidence and let them know, hey, I know exactly what I'm talking about. Be confident in my abilities. We're going to get this thing to the to the finish line. So you were in the class. You took what what was being taught and you went out there. You started doing things. What marketing were you doing? So the same marketing we've always done. We actually have all worked other jobs. I mean, I work my regular real estate business, too, of course. And so making phone calls has been very difficult to take the time and make all the phone calls so we mostly have been doing letters i'll be very honest with you we're getting ready to start implementing a text program because jennifer's been learning a lot about that and we really do need to learn that do that i think that that's a really good one right now Mm -hmm. Uh, but we do letters we we don't our specialty so far is probate Okay. And, and partly is because eight for eight or nine years in real estate, I started doing it as one of my specialties. Besides my referral business, I did probate. And I just saw that elderly people were being taken advantage of and I didn't like it. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to learn more about it. So I learned a lot and I got a few designations in real estate for seniors and stuff. And then I just fit into my wheelhouse. It is in a, it's a slower process. Some people mm-hmm. don't like it because it's not as fast, a quick, immediate sale or whatever. But I have resources in place to help them and I just like it. I mean, and both the sales I had so far mm-hmm. were probate. That's so good. we have good. a letter and then we send out the letter once and then we send it out three weeks later. And then I have an email campaign. So I do skip trace them and make sure I have an email and I have done voice drop, okay. which are, or, you know, ringless, ringless voicemail. voicemail. Awesome. I have done that. Pretty Perfect. good. So, so, so letters are working. They are, they so are people working. do respond. You picked a, a focus niche mm-hmm. probate. Are you finding it also sounds like it would also give you an advantage being a realtor and investor. So yes. do you do you use both approaches when I talking do. to the homeowner? I do. And do you find that like I'll be curious to know how you present it because right one end you want the house potentially pretty cheap. The other end you're like, hey, I'll get you the most I can. So how right. do you have that discussion? Well, it's, it's a good point. I, I actually have a certification in probate with Chad Corbett, out of, mm-hmm. who was originally with All the Leads, and he's fantastic. I still am on his podcast. Whenever I have him a question, he, he texts, I text him, he says, you got to be on the podcast because everybody needs that question answered. <laughs> <laughs> so I get on the podcast. So anyway, but he, he like just confirmed things with me too, that he's always done like both. He's licensed in five states. And so I knew there was a possibility of that just as an agent, right? Mm-hmm. But I didn't know exactly how I would buy it myself when I have no mm-hmm. money. So I was trying to figure <laughs> this all out. So the cool thing is I go in and I just mostly ask them questions and let them talk mostly Mm -hmm. and find out what is best for them. And whichever is best for them, it's no sad, I don't care. I mean, I obviously make more money as an investor than I do as a real estate Mm -hmm. agent in that case, but it doesn't really matter to me. It's what's best for them. And I just always feel my in my heart, whatever is I do something better for them, then it's going to come back to me in other ways. So I always just figure out, do they really need to sell fast? It's just like the people that sell the open door and all that kind of stuff. Sometimes it's just they need it fast. They don't want any inconvenience and they don't want to do anything additional. And it's overwhelming to them. So I I start the process by when I get set the interview is just say, you know, as in probate, it is a very big undertaking as a personal representative to be in probate. And basically the attorney does. A lot of times when I call them, they'll say, but the attorney's going to take care of it. I go, no, 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 no. No, let me explain to you the whole probate mm-hmm. process because I think it's 
sure. you're probably new at it, right? And mm -hmm. they'll say yes. I said the attorney only does about 25% of the transaction. The 75% that's left, it's yours. It's all you. It's all on you. Could I take part of that off your plate? Excellent. And that's kind of how I start. And then I go from there and just see which one's better for them. Which way is better for them? And then, Fair enough. and then I can come with both offers. I'm finding now it's sometimes better not to come with the, in my personality so far, to make the offer instantly. I, I sometimes, I think it's better for them to kind of stew over stuff and me to offer them something for free in a sense, information or mm -hmm. a resource and then come back with it. I have learned to though offset that a little bit because I was offering so many things and not getting the transaction. So I decided that now I hold back on things like yep. my estate seller. And I think I talked to you about mm -hmm. that, Marcus, holding back on that. And that's actually in my contract that they will get that information and that person will work for them. I don't get anything from that at all. It's just a Good. resource. But we work together and my estate seller knows too that he, in a sense, talks me up. I talk him up and we are good at what we do. I'm not just blowing smoke right? Right, right so and then that's how i kind of transition which is better for them and i just cool. i just had one i made an offer in arcadia and i really i didn't get the deal i'm so bummed. did they sell it end up selling they it did you... and we came up quite a bit in price because we did we really were probably going to hold it but we she came i got to the attorney's office and they somebody came in with an extra 10 right on the spot and she had already agreed it's verbally oh to take ours over everybody else's because we matched everybody, but. They came in just a little bit higher. Yeah. You know what so. I'm really, what I'm really impressed about Donna is that you were in the class and you were already doing some things before you came to the class. So we were really impressed about that. But then afterwards, after the class, I can guarantee you, because me and Mike, we put our contact information up on the board you were probably the only person that reached out to us after the class. Really? Yes. So from there, me and Mike knew, we was like, oh, Donna's going to get a deal. She's definitely <laughs> going to get a deal. And how many months later was it after that? I can't remember. When was the actual class? I'm trying to remember. It was like in the fall. When she went to? September? Yeah, it was pretty much yeah. September. Mm -hmm. our, so our first deal we closed, actually closed, was actually not until November. But okay. I was. I probably made... 10 or 12 offers right away though right mm -hmm. after that so about about 60 days after the class yeah you were closing your your first deal yeah okay awesome. what did you okay. take from the class that really helped you on closing that transaction besides me and mike's expertise <laughs> we're still waiting on the check donna i'm a good cook okay so i i'm trying to think of anything particular it's just like i feel like it's kind of all a package mm -hmm. so i can't think of anything particular just that i think being persistent i know i talked to you a bunch of times marcus before the first one mm -hmm. i think i talked to you more after the with the second one but i just i don't know i think that just confirming like I would go back to your book and read things and just I can't think of anything right off the top okay, of my head I'm sorry fine. but it was just a, it's just overall the package gives me resources to go answer questions for myself and then you guys were kindly available for me to bounce it off if I had a concern perfect perfect you know? so resources I mean and that's that's what helped you outside of your knowledge that you had and your hustle and grit the resources really helped you close that deal so yeah there were some vendors you gave me even too that I reached out to in between with those perfect you guys gave me too. perfect yeah so tell us about this deal how are you the first one or the second one let's do the first one then okay. we'll go to the second one I like that and then we <laughs> will have you back to go over the third and the fourth and the fifth I, and the sixth that would be awesome <laughs> like, I was hoping I'd be saying that right now but I was like oh well so the first one was a probate and he actually is the personal representative was in New Mexico. I find that both of my deals so far have been out of state personal representatives, which is typical. Okay. And because we opened up Pima County as well as Maricopa County now, I don't find as many people actively working. Probate is good and Pima. So I'm getting more okay. activity there, but that's okay. That's where I'm from originally anyway. So, so basically he, I just stayed in touch with him. I want to be very honest with you. It was a, at least 60 days from the time I started the conversation with him okay. before he had to get, as a personal representative, he had to get access to the bank account and mm -hmm. be okay to talk to the lender to get the payoff. Mm -hmm. And then we were working on what was the payoff versus this. And they were the, the nephew who was technically owned it that was left to it from the parents. He left it. 
and like tons of stuff was there. I had to organize getting stuff on. I got my brother to help me to put boots on the ground and put a lockbox on it. And we got, you know, had an inspector had to come for the bank. Somebody, some mm-hmm. inspector. I never had that happen. Wow. The HOA actually did, okay. which was unusual because nothing in the front of the house was a problem. But they sent somebody and they had to uh, cut the lock box, the lock off the gate because they had left the lock on. So it was just a whole process of getting them through. And I just would every about week and a half or so, I would make contact with them. And mm-hmm. I would just say, how's it going? And he did tell me that somebody from Florida called him and wanted to buy it. But he says he wanted to really use an Arizona person. Okay. So I, I cranked that for everything. Yep, <laughs> like, yep. I am an Arizona person. My brother was a good old boy and he met him there. Uh-huh. And my brother's good at networking too. So I just used my resources to help me. I show him that I could do the deal. You know what I mean? Perfect. And we don't really talk about necessarily wholesaling it, but I do tell them I'm not sure what I'm going to do with it. I just tell them, I think I learned that from you guys. I'm not mm-hmm. sure I'm going to, I could actually just wholesale it to someone else who wants to flip it. I could be flipping it. I could be holding it until I get into the house and know mm-hmm. the details of it. I'm not sure what I'm going to do with it. A lot of times, true motivated sellers, they don't ask you. They, they, they do. It's not like a common question though. Like, what are you going to do? You know, They don't even know what wholesaling is. Yeah. I know. Flip it, rent it. So yeah, yeah, I don't need to worry about that. So you got the deal, your great points, following up, keeping communication with the with the owner, building that confidence. So tell us about, so it was a probate deal, mm-hmm. right? So so what happens next? So you got it in escrow. What are some of the numbers, purchase prices, and stuff like that? Oh my gosh, what was the number oh, on that one? Okay. I know it's not in the questions. <laughs> I know, I didn't look it up, the exact numbers. I think it was 365 yeah, just or something rough. like that. Mm-hmm. And you want me to tell how much I made? Is that what you're saying? 14, I mean, 14.5 okay. on it. Okay, cool. I, I don't know. Was it an assignment? It was an assignment. Okay, perfect. And I called around and I used Azria people first. Mm-hmm. I actually called them first. Then I had, I went down to the meeting down in Tucson too. Plus oh, yeah. I've always networked with the Tucson people when they come to Phoenix. So I kind of had some names okay. and I went that route as well. And I talked to them and then they would give me resources as well. And I did a couple other offers in tucson that one it's me okay i really wanted but ended up selling to i found out to offer pad but so i couldn't compete really Mm -hmm. but i could have but i didn't anyway and so it was just it it ended up being a really smooth transaction i didn't i I was just a little nervous that's the only thing i put in here too that i'm a little nervous on the in buyer performing you know because because that's still a little scary to me because i don't know them and everybody says now, and you guys do, and so do so does Ren, but Ren even pills up more. Like, you know, this like hundreds of whatever buyers, buyers possible buyers here, at the yeah. end. You do not, I'm sorry, I'm gonna say it from this end. You do not, you need the right buyers. You need people that you trust, that you will perform, that you've talked to, that have done deals, and you need to just vet them. Mm-hmm. Find out how many deals have they done? Do they close on time? Do they close? Great, what yeah. is it you mm-hmm. do? And this that part of the business, I'm on that part, I'm still getting a, because my second one had like three assignments and I'm just still not getting my head around how they can do that. And then, and not that I needed to make more money. I didn't, but like, how did they do that? Like, why did they do that? Like, should I have done a different process? So, so one of the things, so talking about buyers, yes, that is a big misperception. A lot of people say, well, you got to have hundreds of buyers and thousands of cash buyers. No, like you said, you just need the right buyers. A great way to vet them if you haven't worked with them before say, hey, what was the last property that you purchased? Get the address. Look it up. Look it up (laughs) and see if they actually closed on that property or if they assigned it out or something like that. And then the next question that you had was, how do you... Because you got you'll put a deal out there and then somebody else assign it, somebody else will assign it after that. Some of those things you, you you just can't get around because somebody may have a more extensive buyers list than you, or they may know somebody that really works that area and say, okay, that they can pay a lot more for that property than someone else. So those those things do come up. I mean, it happened to me. I'm sure it happened to Mike, yeah. where you assign a deal and you think you're getting top dollar and you look back and you're like, man, they made 20 more grand than what I thought that the property was worth. It happens. Well, the thing is funny is because, and Mike and I talked about this, is the very first deal, and I don't remember the exact numbers. I'm thinking it was 365. I originally wanted to price it at 375 and I didn't. And that's really kind of what they got. Like that's what they, you know what I mean? So mm-hmm. I like 
dang it. Like, and I go, I need to go with my guy. Cause I know the one thing I am very good at is comps and I know what my market is. I'm just learning to do comps as an investor though, is very different than a real estate it agent. Is. And you really have to get your head in a different way, like a different mm -hmm. place, because it is not the same at all. You're, you're trying to figure out what it would be worth if you did these things yep. and then promote it that way. And that's different than when I put a house on the market that's in a certain condition as a real estate agent, I'm pricing it to what its condition is right now. Right now. And yep. in this market, of course, I'm pricing it to that market price and then I'm letting the buyer well, I actually believe in any market, including investor market, the buyer will pay what they want to pay. That's so true. in any market, it doesn't matter if it's now market mm -hmm. or not. So they'll lower the price accordingly or they'll increase the price accordingly. And it works. And I think you get the best possible price pricing it at market. Either way, the second deal, do you want me to tell this? Yeah, go ahead. So the second deal, I got it originally under contract for a a, a little bit under the appraised value. She had had it appraised the mom that passed away just a year on less than a year before. So we, he wouldn't kind of budge that much from that mm -hmm. price. Cause it was an appraised thing. And I tried to explain it to him, but it was going to be for a remodel job anyway. It wasn't even a normal appraisal, but so I, but we found something very unusual at the property. We okay. found it had its own little pool in a bedroom, in a room, <laughs> the square footage didn't match over what did I tell you it was a couple hundred square feet mm -hmm. difference or 300 square feet difference which is odd and it was because the outside of the parameter when the appraisal did it they included that room and that room was truly a holding tank for water and they had put it was built that way by the special engineer and everything but we didn't know that at the time and my, my estate guy calls me and says this room's full of water and they had this little board up there and I went, oh my gosh. So then I thought, oh, is that going to be a problem to sell it now? Like who's going to, there's no sump pump. My brother got over there and we looked at it because I'm a realtor. I know a bunch right, of right. stuff like that. And my brother does stuff with sump pumps. He works in the sprinkler system industry. And so I said, we need to figure it out. So I ended up going back to the seller and asking for a deduction because I didn't think I could get the price for mm -hmm. it because of that. So I got it down. Like $75,000 down, I think. Wow. So you took um, a reduction. I tried to get a hundred, but I got it for $75,000 <laughs> down. So I took a reduction and I want to say we put it on them was 435, I think. I, again, I don't remember my number, yeah. but I made 75K on it. All right. Congratulations. And they actually recited it three times. Wow. So it was a little crazy. And the person I originally was selling it to, that's when I got a hold of Mike. I was a little freaked out because I put this pretty cool, I thought, marketing package together and we couldn't figure out how to do it logistically because my Dropbox doesn't really exist for pictures. So we did it on Facebook, figured out a way to do it on Facebook, but all the pictures, I have 40 some pictures on there. Mm -hmm. And I created this really nice marketing piece and I threw it out there and somebody kept copying it. And even Mike's contacted me later after I'd actually sold it and said, are you still selling this? And, and I go, I didn't know you could do that. And Mike says to me, it's the wild west out there, Donna. <laughs> I <was> like, <laughs> okay, I guess I get it. Yeah, so, I don't so, quite get it, but I get it. So how much more was made on top of your 75 um, in the assignments? Another 20. I think it was 35,000 awesome. with the three. Okay. One person did 20 and then another person did, I think, 15 and five or something like that. So basically your second deal was a 100K deal. Wow, congratulations. Yeah, yeah. congratulations. Great to hear. And you know, this is what's funny about this is everybody's, I am, I've never been the norm, I guess, because people go, oh, well, you make on average, because they did astro flipping and stuff too. He goes, you make on average 10K is good for each deal. Mm -hmm. I didn't. I didn't know how to price it for sure. I just priced it what I thought it should price for. Mm -hmm. I don't. I just went with my gut. I literally had no formula, nothing, mm -hmm. but I just went with what I thought would be fair and I could still possibly make it happen. And I figured I could always reduce. Well, the that price, was a right? unique area too, it right? Was, it wasn't a traditional a, subdivision with no, a lot it's in of the comps. foothills and stuff. Yeah, it's a nice area. But a good way to kind of to help justify what offer it should be, right? So yes, you could comp it for the ARV and go backwards, but for those that they're trying to figure that out, just look at the cash sales, right? In the right. last three to six months, just see what other investors paid for, for that type of property in the area. Now it'll kind of give you a good ballpark range of what you can sell it to those investors at, right? So, mm -hmm. Right, right. Yep. So basically your $75,000 price reduction was your $75,000 fee, basically. Yeah. Congratulations. That's Donna. great. So tell me, almost wrapping up here, 
What were some of the fears? What were some of the fears that I unknown that you had? That's the main this? thing I said is the buyer not performing. Okay. That is my main, I think that's my only fear to be honest is gotcha. the buyer not performing. And, and then, and I don't know if it's a fear, but just I'm frustrated with not figuring out the price so that I can get more deals done. Well, look, I, that's the only thing that I'm frustrated <laughs> with. It's like, okay, I should, this is not my average. I want my average to be better than this. So. Well, it's per deal. And in, in the way to protect yourself on the cash buyers, one, like vetting them, getting the right buyers. But sometimes you're going to come across people that will pay for it and you don't know them, nothing mm -hmm. about them, right? So that's what the earnest, non-refundable earnest deposit is for, right? And right. you guys got to make sure that gets released to you right. if they don't perform. And that's a good way of, don't have a, in Phoenix, where we're doing five, ten thousand dollars $10,000, give or right. take. Someone's willing to put up that. That's a good indication yeah. as, as well as try to do your best as to have a longer closing time with the homeowner right and that's why with cash buyers I did we do, do that on the second one i did a 60 day but we still closed Perfect. at 30. so you have seven with the cash buyer well, i did a 30 day inspection period no no it's fine yeah. it really, if you can get it, it take was, it it was expensive and it was high end and it was weird it was really weird it had like catwalks and it was a very unusual property it was, it was custom done and, I, I and so it was good. So I thought I'm not gonna. I can always back out of that many out right. days, but I cannot take it, give it, get it back. So, so mm -hmm. it worked out great. Yeah, yeah. no, Perfect. it did. And when you have that seven day, you tell the buyer seven day close cash as is, where is, and then now you still have that whole. Make sure you, you have that extra time after seven day. So, yep. so it gives to you resell time. it again if yeah. you need to. Exactly. Yeah. All right. So, what would you tell someone just getting started? What should they focus on? I think that I don't. I've never been one to figure out my niche right away. I didn't in real, real estate either. So mm -hmm. that's what a lot of people would tell you. But I I, I think you need to play around with a few, not play, but you mm -hmm. know what I mean? You need to try different things and mm -hmm. see what you're most comfortable with and what you feel the best about when you're doing it. You know what I mean? And then, and then just do it. Don't wait. Don't like, don't wait to see what someone else does. I mean, to me, I've always believed like I'm taking food off my family's table if I don't do it or if I take a if I take a deduction I don't take deductions in my real estate business either I I pay I get full commission uh, always I mm -hmm. because I think that I'm worth it I think that I I do an extra extra work to get that money and I, I believe that I get the deal done my client my my deals do not fall out of escrow and that I do with my regular real estate at all so I think that it's I vet my buyers if I'm a seller's agent I bet you know what I mean mm -hmm. make sure yeah. my buyers are qualified when I'm the other way around I see who I'm doing a co-deal with and I and I get as you know to come to win-win with both of them and what's how we can work best together awesome so okay. I think that that's just important it's in being consistent I just think it's really important to be consistent. Like I've never missed a mailing in every week and I've done most all the mailings myself and they're handwritten by the way, the envelopes, that's a wow. key to probate, especially mm -hmm. is they have to be handwritten and they're in invitation envelopes. So they're okay. very specifically done a certain way because it works. And I learned that from Chad. So I already okay. knew that and I already knew that it worked. Perfect. So, Perfect. Perfect. All right. So real quick, what would you do? starting over what would you do differently donna if you had to start over from scratch all over again what's one of the things you would do differently wholesaling or agent let's go wholesaling <laughs> if you had to start all over i know you're just kind of getting started but from that first mailing from the first transaction what is probably one of the things you would do differently i think i'd be more aggressive with my price Okay. Okay. I think that in this market, I need to understand that. And, and I think I could still get the offer. It's just my mindset. This is what my mindset is. Like I said, that I don't go into any deal thinking I'll, we'll reduce it just in if I don't, or I'll back out in case. Mm -hmm. I don't want to go into a deal that way. Cause I think you go into it, like not being uh, a trustworthy person is my personal opinion. Mm -hmm. I want to be honest with them and I don't want to, this other deal, we found an actual problem, an actual technical right. problem in the property and then it may it was totally legit mm -hmm. to me to go in and ask for a reduction but i wouldn't just have asked a reduction just to ask for it Perfect. you know what i mean just because you know yeah. uh, because i think i'm pricing my houses right when i do it that way so and it's like just like i do as a real estate agent i price my house as well i've always sold in any market 90 to 98 percent of the purchase price and now way over that oh, in yeah. this market i know one quick question that i have for you because we talked about this during the class you were kind of 
trying to figure out how can I wholesale and still have a license? What can oh. I do? Because a lot of a lot of agents ask me about that because they say, well, is this, can you get in trouble for kind of what did you learn from the whole process? Well, I had to change brokerages because okay. my broker was too afraid of the situation. I won't mention names mm -hmm. or anything, but I did yep. change brokerages because they said I couldn't. I know I disagree and I did a lot of research on it and I can, but mm -hmm. I just need to do it legitimately. I need to disclose. And I yep. think in the way the market is going and the way wholesaling is going across the nation right now because of unscrupulous wholesalers, yep. if that's the right word, that you will need to be licensed or you will be in big trouble. Okay. So I think that because you need to be understanding of the whole situation and being willing to follow through with it and know what the responsibilities are as a person offering wholesaling. Great advice. Great advice. Great advice. Well, Donna, I really want to thank you. I appreciate thank you. you like so always being here, you, you're a spark of energy. You made this podcast very, very easy, very easy. So in party, what are some words of encouragement that you can share with, with our listeners here in Arizona? I just think that, First of all, and they didn't say this to me, you need to be involved in Ezria. I have been telling everybody <laughs> that you need to be involved because I think that that's what we were told with Ren. Get involved in your local your RIAs and your investor groups and stuff. And you guys are active. You're, um, and according to what I'm hearing over, you're the best one in this country. So we need to support, we support each other. We can encourage each other. You're there to learn. You're there to help and, and guide us and stuff. And I think that it's a good quality group of people that I can trust. That's what I, that's what I would say. And I think I am like so shocked that you asked me to be here. I have to tell you that. And I really appreciate it because it was like, so, so nice to do that. So <laughs> well, it goes along to some of my words in parting is you're an ideal member. Okay. That's why you're here. Remember right? spotlight mm -hmm. is your go-getter, right? That's key. You're always, you're educating yourself, getting an education, you're out there networking, you're building your business, you do it honestly, ethically, and you're just out there. It's, 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 you make things happen. So that's what we all can learn. We can take that from you. And I hope everyone sees that and applies it to themselves. So thank you for being a member. You're welcome. Yes, likewise, wonderful member, member spotlight is on Donna Lando. <laughs> and we really appreciate you being a member. Thank, thank you. you so much. And uh, you're an example to all the other members. So oh, guys. Sweet. <laughs> At the monthly meeting, or if you see Donna around Ezria, make sure you go up, speak to her, shake her hand, talk to her, because she does definitely have a wealth of information. Well, well, yeah. So if someone wants to buy a house, sell a house, how do they get hold of you? Or oh. want to get to know you, whatever it is. Yeah. <laughs> well, I have multiple emails at this point, but it's easy just to do my name. So it's Donna at Donna Londo, L O N D O T dot com. I don't mind if you call me at 602-369-0829. You can Google my name because that's an unusual name. So it always pops up, all the stuff that I've done. And I really appreciate it. It's very, it's really um, makes me feel good as well that I'm here and I appreciate it. And I appreciate you guys a lot. Awesome. And it's just, Thank it was you. great to be here. Thank so, you. All Thank right. You. Thank you. Thank you, everybody. So in party, uh, another successful Asria show. Thank you, Mike, my wonderful co-host. Thank you, Donna, for being an awesome yeah, guest. And guys, you know where to find us. You can find us on Spotify, YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, our website, asria.org, <laughs> all platforms. So welcome, become a member, go to asria.org, join us. We'd love to have you as a part of the family. Thanks for listening to The Asria Show with your hosts, Marcus Maloney and Mike Delpreet. We hope you enjoyed this episode. If you found this information valuable, head over to azria.org and learn more about our community.